You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. I invite you to, uh, we're going to be working out of Romans 6 today. So if you want to turn there, you can. But I'm going to read first from Isaiah 12. So depending on where you're at and finding places in your Bible, if you want to head to Romans 6, you may. But I'm going to just start us off in Isaiah 12. And we're up. And there we go. Okay. As you're going to Isaiah 12, we've got a picture from last week. This is from Lincoln. I had to make sure I'm interpreting this right, so he helped me out. And this is, of course, Joseph and Mary and the, the baby Jesus there and the angel. And this is the wise men coming. And the, uh, the one, I think he's a wise man here, he says to the guys, come on. And they say, we're coming. And the star says, oh, really? Right? I got it. Okay. So that's Lincoln's picture from last week, so I appreciate that. All right. Let's go ahead and read from God's Word. I'm going to read from Isaiah 12. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's only six verses to give us a foundation on God's gracious gift today that we're looking at of salvation. It says in Isaiah 12, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Pray with me again as we get into God's Word. Lord, again, we just come to You right now. Father, in this time that we have to study, against some familiar ground and the danger in that and what I'm praying for, Lord, for us who are familiar with the gospel, that we would never be complacent or ungrateful, but Lord, you would stir in our hearts again a refreshed vision to see what you've done in rescuing sinners deserving of death and eternal punishment and saving them to eternal life. Lord, I pray for each heart in this room that our praise and worship of you would be uh, encouraged even in this time that we have through your word, that your word would do the work and then I would deliver as your servant here, Lord. So we just pray for this and guide our time together. Or those that are sick amongst us that are not here, we pray for them too, that you would give them your comfort and just guide our time by your spirit, we're praying, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're, we're in this Christmas series looking at God's uh, good and gracious gifts to His church. Um, again, not all the gifts by any means, but we're just looking at four of them as we approach Christmas. We've looked at Scripture and God's Word and that gift. We looked last week at the gift of the Holy Spirit, asking God even for, for that. And this week we turn to the gift of the gospel or salvation. And again, not that it's a separate Gift. All these are interconnected. The scriptures, again, bearing witness to Christ. 
the Holy Spirit bearing witness, desiring he, desiring to glorify Jesus Christ. And so they come uh, to us and really all of this coming to Jesus Christ. And my desire here for our time as we work out of the book of Romans a little bit uh, is twofold. One is that we uh, be as clear as we can as a church and time and again we get these opportunities just to have a clear uh, idea for us and clear hopefully presentation by God's grace of the gospel what is the good news what is salvation and to understand that for each one of us that are here we want to be a gospel center church that what we do has the gospel behind where we're going not just a church that meets for ritual but there's the gospel of Jesus Christ that fuels us together and the second is that you would grow if you know the gospel grow in your rehearsal of the gospel it is good to rehearse the gospel over and over again, to remember. It's not just a one-time decision and I'm saved and I don't need to deal with that. We want to mature in the faith, but it's to enjoy the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done and, and maybe even from today be able to share that in a helpful way with others. Um, I'm just amazed as we look at Christmas each year, I think this year in particular, just seeing more and more uh, the Christmas story in places that you wouldn't expect the Christmas story. We're, we're, we think typically of Bethlehem, the wise men, the shepherds, that sort of thing. Um, but just seeing, one could make an argument for seeing Christmas from cover to cover. Uh, the story of God's creation and his rescue of Jesus coming into that world and saving his own. And so it's it's throughout, and so we can look at a passage like Romans 6 that we're going to look at today, hopefully see again the gift and see why Jesus came uh, to earth. So we're going to open up this good and gracious gift of God, the salvation story, enjoy this story again, the good news of a Savior who came to seek and save the lost. One way to do this is to look at one verse in particular, and that's going to be Romans 6. 23 if you're not there already i'll read from it in a little bit but this is the verse and perhaps you've seen this illustration before it's often called the bridge illustration it's not original with me so i'm not making something up but i'm trying to help us uh, look at this in a way and i think it's one way not the way but one way to present what does the gospel mean in a visual form and I'm a visual learner that helps me. I like to see visual things and maybe this will help you to understand the gospel and or be able to use this and go help somebody else understand the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. So we're in Romans. Of course, the one verse we're looking at is verse 23, but we need to go back. We're just going to read context, so we're there. So we're going back to verse 15. And Paul's got a question at verse 15 saying, What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace by no means? He's saying, okay, you're under grace, you're saved. Now do we get to sin? This is what we're saved to, to sin? No, he says, by no means. And now we get in the context of where we're going and where we'll see uh, our, our verse at the end here. So I'm just going to read 16 to the end of the chapter here. Paul, again, says to the Romans, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. 
But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. Now our verse that we're going to look at. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, no illustration is perhaps perfect, but this is what we're going to use today. And I would encourage you, if you've got a bulletin with you or a scratch piece of paper, you can turn it sideways. And what you can do is draw like I have. You don't need to put in the verse there, but really these two cliffs. These We've got the first part of the verse, for the wages of sin, comma. So that's our first, and we've got our guy. Let's say that's us today. And kind of on that side of the cliff. And then on the, you've got a butt in the middle. And then on the other side, you could draw another cliff and leave it blank. We'll fill it in as we go. But the free gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can do this in a short amount of time or longer, but that's where we're going to begin. So we're going to start looking at this verse and just take it kind of bit by bit. And the third word that we come to in this verse is the wages. We're looking at the wages of sin. What do you think of when you think of wages? Maybe like what's written up there, something that's earned or something that's paid for work that was done. You've worked hard or worked at a job. And you get a payout. You get wages, your earnings. Paul defines them in Romans 4.4. 4. He says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. So Paul helps us and explain this. To the one who works, his wages are what are his due. And so Paul here in Romans 6, he's talking about wages earned from our sin. And it speaks about the wages of sin, and we want to understand just what sin is. And to do that, we're going to go to Romans 3. I'm going to try to stay, I think for the most part, we're in Romans. And you can, if you're there, you're going to just be able to navigate around pretty easy. You can head back to Romans 3, 9 through 20. And we're asking the wages of what? What's our work? It's our sin. The wages of sin is something. We'll look at that, but what is sin? And I think Romans 3, 9 through 20 helps explain that. Here's what it says. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat, it's an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps 
is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and in their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. If wages come from something we do, then what does Paul say here in chapter 3 that we do? Let me just sum it up for you. We have not sought God. That's one thing we don't do. We don't seek God. Sinners have turned aside. Sinners have not done good. We deceive. We curse. We shed blood. Murder. Or maybe not physically. Maybe in the heart. We don't fear God. It's really the law before us that says to worship God alone. Don't curse His name. Honor your father and mother. Rest. Uh, Don't covet. Speak the truth. All these things. And the law to us becomes like a mirror and we see it and we see God's holy commandments that say this is how you shouldn't live and we go that's how I'm living it's a mirror the law is a mirror to us for us to have eyes to see that say yes I'm a sinner that may not necessarily mean 24 hours a day we're out cursing everyone or murdering in our heart all the time though there's some I think there's a lot in fact all of us nice people who are sinners. Because we're, Paul says, we're enslaved to sin. We're enslaved to it. It's not like a, ah, I will, I won't. It's, it's slavery that we're in. We sin because we want to sin. You might say the work of sin is implanted on us. Think of dogs. What must dogs do? They must bark. Birds must tweet or caw or most of them. They do that because it's who they are. A dog barks because that's who he or she is. And we sin because we're sinners. And I don't think even further, we're not forced to sin. We sin because that's what, again, we want to do. We're enslaved to it. And without any work of God, without any uh, work of His, we have no ability to do anything differently. Well, Paul says... The wages of sin is something. What is it? It's death here. Romans 5.12 is going to talk about that. I'll sum it up and then we'll look at Romans 8 here. The wages, the earnings of the sin is death. It's what our parents in the Garden of Eden experienced. Those parents, Adam and Eve. In Genesis, God said to Adam, He said, Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But Satan tempted Adam and Eve. They disobeyed God and they ate of that forbidden fruit. Romans 5, 12 through 21, we're not going to take time to read all of it, though it it kind of just just, connects here with what, what we're looking at in this verse. But it says that through sin, through the sin of Adam and Eve, death spread to all men. It brought condemnation to all Men, all, because as Adam was our head, we too, we bear this nature of sin. We're born into it, we're born sinners, and we act it out. 
in what we do. Well, what's the punishment for sin? You can see it in our verse in 623. The punishment, it's death. And yes, physically, we all die. But spiritually, we are dead in our sin. We don't earn life and peace and joy for our sin. We earn death. Relationships face death because of sin. And we're dead to the things of God. We set our own minds on our own self and we die. You can look at Romans 8, 7 through 8 and the way Paul puts it here in our sin. You look at Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. We're hostile to God, hostile. And then it says, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. There's our inability to submit. We can't earn our way out of this. We earn what we want to earn, but it's death. Uh, Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And physical death here is just a picture of the much greater spiritual death that permeates our hearts. And if God doesn't save us from this death, we face an eternal death, eternal punishment outside of the presence of God. We call hell the lake of fire for eternity. Well, at this point, we need to understand the other part of that verse. We're going to talk about the the free gift of God in a little bit, but we want to understand just who God is. Who is God? So we're putting God on the other side. We know God is over all things. He's He's through all things. Here's God. What do we understand about the free gift of God? Who is God? Uh, Romans 1.25, Paul talks about God as the creator who is blessed forever. Who is God? He's majestic. Everything God does is right. He doesn't do anything wrong. Talking in Sunday school, his ways, uh, his knowledge, his wisdom, his riches, the depth of them. That's who God is. All things made through him. He's the king of the universe and he's holy. But Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned. It says they've fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we could not attain on our own to the presence of God. We've fallen short. On their own, sinners can't dwell in the presence of a holy God. And they're cut off from Him. And they face His righteous judgment and His punishment for their sins. And that's where we see kind of this other cliff and the separation between man who's earned through sin, death, and cannot jump that chasm. Maybe it looks like he can there. He cannot. He cannot be in the presence of God because of sin. And yet our verse speaks of this free gift. This free gift of God. You can look back at Romans five fifteen through 17 to help us explain and understand this free gift. But over and over in Scripture, we hear of God and His steadfast love, His mercy, His grace. Uh, Even the word free gift in our verse here, the free gift could be translated a gracious gift. It comes from the same word where we talk about grace, charis, 
grace. There's a gracious gift of God. Look at Romans 5, uh, 15 through 17. But the free gift. Here, Paul, help us again. Help us understand the free gift. And he says the free gift, it's not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, talking about Adam and his sin there, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. That's what we've been talking about, the wages of sin and death. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We're talking about God's grace, His undeserved favor. It's abundant and it's free and it's not earned. We cannot earn our way and build a bridge to God by our works. Our works show us our sin and our inability to get to where God is, to His presence, if you will. Romans 5.20 says, Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And His grace accomplished something. It accomplished a gift of eternal life. And I want to ask here, what does eternal life mean? What is this free gift of God, eternal life? Does that mean just a quantity? That just means we have this life and Oh, we get eternal life, like how it is, and that's how it's going to be forever. That kind of eternal life is just for it. Well, y- yes, eternal does mean forever, but it's eternal life. Eternal life. I think in some ways we as sinners really have no idea what true life is all about. We're clouded in our seeing because of sin, but eternal life, true life, it's not just life that goes on forever, but it's life in the presence of God and His glory. It's life lived in the love of God for His children forever. It's life lived in the Spirit where we're adopted as sons of God and we cry out to Him as Father. Do you see there's so much more to life than just living maybe as is forever? There's more to it. It's a life lived free of sin. It's a life lived free of judgment, free of the fear of condemnation, free of self-seeking, life that is abundant, being eternally in the hand of the Father. And Paul puts it here. It's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's who it's in. And eternal life is purchased for us on account of Christ and finds its hope and joy of eternal life in Christ. Micah, would you come up here? We're talking about this gift of God as eternal life in Christ Jesus. Micah, this is the gift for today. Let me give that to you. You can have it and you can rip it open up here. As I've told the others, you're probably a good ripper into. And see what is in the gift of God in Christ Jesus our Lord here.
that open. I made it. I didn't use all my tape on it. Do you need help? Okay. There you go. Just just rip that up. There we go. All right, you find the gift that's in there. Thinking, what is the gift God gave to us for eternal life? What is that, Micah? It's a cross. I'll just show them here. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. This gift of God, this free gift. You know, there's some things about Jesus Christ on the cross that are good to remember. One is that we looked at, when we looked in Mark, that, that Christ satisfied. These nails even are on this cross. Went through the punishment on that cross where the wrath of God, it talks about Jesus being the propitiation through His blood, the wrath of God that we deserved for our sin, for what we earned, was poured out on Jesus on the cross. And we're also in His blood, we're justified. That's a big word, Micah. Justified. It means we're declared righteous or declared uh, sinless before God. That we, if I could have a white garment to put it on you, it'd be like in, what in Christ we wear Christ's righteousness. We don't wear our own but we wear Christ and we're justified. Thanks, Micah. You can keep that. That's what Jesus does on the cross. There is no boast in us in this verse. This is the glory of God at work to satisfy the wrath of God, to justify sinners by His blood. And nothing we earned got us this. Our only hope for true life and joy and peace is the fall and the grace of Christ Jesus our Lord. That's where the cross is the bridge, if you will, where this illustration comes from. Our means uh, of hope and peace and joy in Jesus Christ. He satisfies God's wrath, declares sinners righteous. Well, I want to look back at this little stick figure we've got going here and zoom in on him a little bit. I, I drew him upright. Of course, the wages of sin is death. What could we, re- we could draw him like this. So, yeah, yeah, so go with that. But uh, it looks like, you know, this guy will just, just get on over there, just step on the cross. It's right there. Can't you see the big cross right there? Well, there's an issue for us. And Paul talks about it. We're actually enslaved to sin, as we mentioned. We're hostile. We cannot. We have no ability. So if you were to really draw it honestly, it's this guy running the other way. And maybe the dashed lines, he doesn't even see it. He's running after the world or money or a phone. And not that those things are bad, but it just represents the worship of our hearts that turns away from God. And we worship creation instead of the Creator. It's a problem for each one of us. We're dead in sin. We're blind to the things of God, running in the opposite way. But last week we learned of God's Holy Spirit who gives a rebirth. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit, represented by this probably recycle symbol, right? He gives us rebirth and we're born and we're born in Christ. And we can dwell in 
in Christ through the Spirit. We're born again. Romans 8.11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. I want to ask you today what we do with this. I used Micah today, and I appreciate his willingness to come up here. How did he respond when I called Micah? He was kind of looking down when I called. I said, Micah, oh, it's my time. How do you know it was his time? Because I asked him, maybe you saw me go over before the service. I sought out Micah before our service began to come up here and to receive a gift. Did, did he earn anything to say, Micah? No, I, he, he came up. He's chosen in a sense. We could take that too far, but do you see the illustration of God by his grace to elect his own, to come to him. And when they hear his name, Micah, what? They come and they receive the gift, the free gift of salvation because God by his spirit has given eyes to see and ears to hear and to come to him. It's the same for us. Has God opened your eyes, each one of you, whether this is familiar territory or not, has he opened your eyes to see your sin, the condemnation which you deserve and which I deserve. You see how you've worshipped and served self so many times over the Creator or how we've disobeyed God and His commands. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And coming to Christ, this gospel call, coming to Christ, involves two sides of the same coin. Repentance a recognition, a turning from sin, and a turning to the only one who we can place our sin on and who bore our sin for us, Jesus Christ. That's it. It's looking to Him. And Jesus is not only our Savior, but our verse says, Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we recognize and we humbly come before the Lord and kneel and say, I'm a sinner. I've got sin in my life. This is a reminder. This, this law has mirrored me. I have sin, and I'm lost. My wages are death without a work of you, God, without Jesus. And so we call out on the name, your name, the only name of Jesus Christ. And so we run to him, and we grow up in him. In a sense, this cross just takes should take over the picture because we're in Christ as a new creation. John 5.24, Jesus says, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So for you, what about you? Is this your gift today? Have you come to this gift? Have you come to Him who's eternal life? We just encourage you to receive this gift today, to repent of sin, believe on the Lord Jesus, receive the gift of eternal life, and live the rest of your life for Christ, our Lord. And if this is your story, yeah, I, I know this story. This is, I know this. My confession is Christ. My boast is Christ. Then proclaim it. 
and proclaim this good news and worship God. I think these gifts, and as we're listening to a devotion, devotional from uh, John Piper and thinking of, these things are all a foretaste of what we have in God. The gifts that we give, this is not a thing to say, well, don't, give, you know, don't put gifts in. We have gifts under the tree. It's okay. It's, but it's a foretaste. It's when those gifts become the main thing and we, we forget. But aren't they an illustration of what God has gifted us in Christ Jesus? They are. And let us encourage one another around the tree or around the season to be thinking of that greatest gift. And really, the greatest of all gifts is God Himself. And we're going to talk about that next week as we finish this up. Let me just encourage you. I don't know all of our who's listening here today. If this is not you, if you have not come to Christ, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or to raise a hand, but I would ask you to consider where are you at with the Savior? Do you know Jesus? Do you know your eternity is banking on His cross, His blood, not your own? Um, I will be up here. I'm going to play in the next song. I'll be up here after the service. I'm not going to go to the back today. If you want to talk more, I'm sure one of the elders would love to, or grab somebody beside you in the chair and say, I need to talk to you. I want to make sure where I'm at today with the Lord. Make sure I understand this. Let me encourage uh, you as well. Go out, those that know the gospel, proclaim it, proclaim that light. Let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you again today for this gracious gift. Father, I pray we'd be a church, every single one of us, including myself, that are not okay to put the gospel in a drawer. Yep, covered that. Close up the drawer. Oh, Lord, may it, may it fuel our worship that we can come to you only by the blood of Jesus, by his finished work. And our eternity, our eternal life is, is caught up in, in Jesus. So, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, Take us again. Show us more of Jesus. Open our eyes more and our hearts more to see the greatness of who you are as our God and our Savior and our Helper. In Jesus' name.